0: So tell me why, with all of your expertise and everything you know about on this planet and and your years of studying and your impressive background, why you wrote this book and why Connection is so important. Let's start there.
1: Let's start there. Wow, that's a big one. Um, It's very open-ended, so
0: so take your time.
1: It is. Uh, So it's a book I've wanted to write for a long time. It's been... On my mind, but COVID really made me realize that it was time I really had to do it because of the issues that were going on with COVID. Um, and, uh, but, but it was prior to that, we were already moving in that direction, which I thought was really sad, which is isolation. And um, we've been, become more isolated now than we ever have been in the past. We're becoming less intelligent now than we ever have in the past. So for the first time in our history, we're de-evolving. We're actually getting more, more we're, we're getting less intelligent than we were 10 years ago today, uh, which is really, really scary. We also have less working memory than we've ever had before, Um, and we have a a lot of degenerative diseases and developmental diseases in society now, and all of that can be linked to devices. Um, And so Mm -hmm. devices are pulling us apart. Devices are are, are, are increasing the likelihood of you having ADHD. They're increasing the likelihood of you having autism. They're increasing the likelihood of you having Alzheimer's disease when you get older and dementia when you get older. Um, Early onset, Alzheimer's has increased dramatically recently. We're less productive than we've ever been. So productivity has actually calmed down in the last 15 years compared to 20 years ago. We have access to less information than we ever have in the past. So one of these big arguments is that information... You know, the internet gives us you know, access to the world, and it actually gives us access to less information than we've ever had previously because of the algorithms that run in the background that bias information that we get. So we now find that people actually can't get information that they used to be able to get because they don't go to a library and just look something up or go to a thesaurus or whatever and look something up. They do it on the internet and Google or whatever platform they're using will bias information to what they've looked at before, so we have access to less information. So then, when COVID hit and everyone was getting locked down and we we're all isolating from everyone, I, I just went, "This is going to be really bad for everybody." Um, and of course, I also because it, I, I shifted my first year t- degree at the university to online, and so I was at home. So I just sat down and wrote the book, and thought it was about time I had to write the book. Um, which I did in about three months, which is really good. So it was obviously in my head I just had that thought to figure that out. It but it's based on a lot of my research but a lot of other amazing scientists.
0: We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance.
1: Judging Megan
0: with Megan judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud, and I've been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening. To judging Megan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. So, everybody, I have somebody that's not impressive at all coming onto the podcast today, Dr. Mark Williams. His new book is called The Connected Species: How understanding the evolution of our brain can change the world. He is also a professor of cognitive neuroscience. With experience at both MIT and a uh, university in Australia and um all around smart person that makes me feel bad about myself, so welcome to the podcast. Do you go by Dr. Mark or mark or w- what should I call you? I want to be giving you your your fair due not,
1: not
0: <laughs> okay and and are you if, and please don't get mad at me. I should have asked this before are you this is a touchy one. This is a touchy one, and I'm scared you might not like me after this. Are you Australian, or are you? I am e? Australian. Okay, okay. I wasn't no, even going to say the NZ uh, word. Okay, yeah, okay.
1: One hundred percent Australian.
0: Okay, got it, got it. Um, do you not like me now because I asked that question and it's extremely? No,
1: no, no. It's okay. like it's like in the U in the US. It's okay to ask an American if they're a Canadian, but you can't ask a Canadian if they're American. So I you didn't can ask know. An Australian that. if they're New Zealand. Yeah, but you can't, can't ask a New Zealand person if they're Australian. So well, I've, had,
0: I've had a lot of um I have a I have a lot of Australian listeners for some reason. I, I, I love Australia. We have a dear friend of ours that's Australian. And um and and I've had some Kiwis on as well. So I uh, feel like uh, the Kiwis have gotten more mad at me about that question than the Australians. Do you want they to touch on
1: do. that? Yeah, they get very, they get very upset about the fact that yeah, they get mistaken as Australian all the time. I think because we're the okay. neighbour, um, not that we're that big, <laughs> we're bigger than them. Um, so yeah, they do get very upset, and they get upset because we keep taking all of their uh, their talent. So um, yeah, that's always a oh, got it. thing. Whereas got Australians it. don't care.
0: But but people in America, we love Canada, especially me. I always joke. I'm like, I'm ready to move there. And I don't think they really want us there because we're kind of a hot mess right now. I love you, United States, but we've got some work to do. Let's be real. Um, Okay. So let me start with the following. I, when I saw, I saw a little video you applied on my website to be on the show. I was honored to have somebody so smart come on and talk about their book but also talk about something that i think is so important and i always love getting to the bottom of our brains and how our brains work and um and connection connection is huge and i talk a lot about connection and you know why things happen and um depression and 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 i hate to bring in dark things but suicide and all the things that we're dealing like today we just i just heard I don't know if for sure, but we lost Sinead O'Connor. We have the highest. I talk a lot about this. Um, a lot. I mean, many of my podcasts are about suicide prevention, um, and, and changing what's happening in our world right now, because we really have so many people that we're losing at the highest rates ever. So Could you, before we start and get into your book and the whole thing about connection, do you mind touching on that? Because I I know that you must know a lot about it.
1: Yeah. In actual fact, I know a lot about it from a personal point of view. Um, It's always funny when people call me smart because when Mm -hmm. I was 16, my principal told me and my father that I would be dead or in prison by the time I was 25, um, which was a bit of a shock. I had multiple friends commit suicide both during my high school years and early and um, I I wasn't academic at all. I I thought I was quite dumb um, all through my childhood period because my mother had, well, not because, but my mother had a mental illness and I grew up in a very small country town, which is pretty rough. And back then here in Australia, they had uh, corporal punishment in schools, so to avoid getting the strap or the cane, me and my friends used to go down the lake and fish and smoke pot. Um, So I, I never saw myself as smart until I was... 25, and two of my friends had drug overdoses, and I went back to school at that stage. And there was actually, and again, it goes to connection, right? There was a a physics teacher there that saw something in me, and I think because I was a mature age student, and most of the people there were were younger, um, that he saw something in me and convinced me that I was smart enough to go to university, to do an undergraduate degree, which I never never even thought about. And so I did. (laughs) Um, because of him um, and it's completely changed my life. I mean, I went on from there to do a PhD in medicine and then I got a job at MIT and, which just, you know, opened my world up. Um, but it was because of that connection, right, because of that person who actually said something to me. But at the same time, it was due to that connection to begin with that, that I fell apart for a long period of time because, you know, my principal said something to me that you know, it wasn't fair. Um, but also because mm-hmm. no one really believed in me before that um, and so I never had that drive or that that belief in myself because I didn't have that connection with anyone that actually believed that I could actually do that um, so yeah I think connection is really important but it's really sad now um, because we're losing that connection and you know mental health issues have gone through the roof and it's crazy mm-hmm. um, the issues we're having and just And I think what people don't realise is just sitting down with someone and speaking to them one-on-one, someone you trust, is better for your mental health than anything else you can do and better than any drug that's out there. So the pharmaceutical companies always get upset about this, but it is better for your mental health than anything else you can do just to sit down and chat with someone face-to-face. It has to be face-to-face. It can't be via uh, the computer. But that is better for your mental health and better for your brain. that will actually increase your life by up to 15 years and it'll decrease the likelihood of you having... Neurodegenerative diseases later on, if you just sit down regularly with people and chat to them, people you trust, um, and it's such an easy thing to do.
0: I, I le- I'm first of all, I'm so sorry about your loss that you've gone through in your life. I always think that what we do in our life. I mean, it is, it's so impacted by what we, the experiences we go through in our lives. Right. I never, I, I joke all the time. I didn't even know what a podcast was before I started one in 2020. And I was at like one of the darkest periods of my life. And I decided, well, I can be real and honest with my struggles and just talk to people. And so we, I am a huge connection person. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. Um, I think that obviously you can, I would love for you to pipe in on this, but the connection obviously was heavily lost during COVID. So, um, you know, a lot of these companies, like, you know, corporate America were trying, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. They were really trying to do this remote thing and they have found that it just, it isn't working. I mean, it works for some, you know, it can work well for some, but in, in general, you're right. People need to talk to other people and being a podcaster that has a podcast where I talk to people via computer and I see your face. Sometimes people will say to me, can we just do it over the phone? And I say, no, there's no way I can just talk to you over the phone." because it's just not the same. I mean, this isn't real life. Like we're not meeting each other in person because you are in Australia and I'm here. Um, and also this is just my format, but I do think it's so important what you're talking about that, that connection is so important. I mean, huge, huge, huge. So, um, I think it's, it's really inspiring too that through the loss of your friends to addiction, and suicide and the things that you've gone through that you you realize, well, I believe in myself and I'm going to take a chance on myself and go back to school and I'm not dumb and I'm not going to listen to that person. And I think it's really important for people to do that. People my whole life told me I was dumb because I had a learning disability and I I listened to them. You know, I was diagnosed in seventh grade and I had teachers that were mean and People would be, I'm blonde, you know, I was a curvy blonde. So I was always treated like I was stupid until one day I said, I'm not stupid. I'm actually pretty darn smart. Right. So not to, not to like get too into it, but I I thought that was an important topic.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important that we realize that everyone's got something to offer. And that's, that's what a lot of the book's about, but it's, it's not, we need more people to to contribute to society and contribute in a positive way, and we, we our brains. We now know that our brains are plastic, so our brains are changing constantly. So, being diagnosed, for example, with with a learning disability in your childhood. That can change and yet you're labelled with that from then on and I work a lot with schools these days and a lot of it is about getting over those ideas that you can test someone today and that's what they're going to be like in 10 years time or 20 years time and so therefore we can pigeonhole them into these categories but it's not true. We know that your IQ can change dramatically over your childhood years, over your teenage years and then over your adult. So even in teenage years, your, your IQ can change by up to 15 basis points, which means you can go from an average student to a well above average student, or you can go from an average student to a well below average student in just those teenage years. And that's just due to what you're actually doing with your brain. If you're actually using it, if you're exercising it, then it will get stronger and you will get smarter. If you're not using it, you're not exercising it, then it will atrophy and it will get dumber. So we need to realise that we can't test a child at age 7 and then stick them into a stream and leave them there because that's not where they belong or may not be where they belong they're going to constantly change and all kids deserve the opportunity to thrive and so we should be giving them all that opportunity and there's no way of testing what they're going to end up as I mean Albert Einstein got expelled from school because he was dumb because he had dyslexia right he left in year 9 because of the fact that he was dumb and he was told he was dumb and look what he went on. <laughs> it's crazy for us to be you know, pigeonholing kids at that
0: age. So. I do have a question. So um, my my one of my best friends um, was talking to me yesterday about this exact topic, which was her daughter had been diagnosed with ADHD. And, you know, she's obviously, as a parent, very concerned and I kind of brought, you know, I was saying, oh, well, I'm interviewing somebody tomorrow. I would love to talk to him about that. What what are some of the things like you could maybe give advice? Because you do talk to schools and parents um, of young kids, you know, that are maybe being diagnosed with this. What's some advice you could give? Because you're saying maybe, I mean, things can change. Maybe I should be tested now and I would have a different outcome.
1: Yeah, you would definitely have a different outcome. And and. diagnosis of ADHD isn't really an issue. It's just you then need to to change things so that an individual can actually um, develop those areas of the brain that aren't developed yet. And so attention deficit disorder um, is a problem with attention. So by training that attention network, they will actually get better at that and they'll actually be able to thrive. So with kids with ADHD... Um, when I work with schools, I usually get them to do things like there's a Pomodoro technique, which has been shown to be the best way to actually increase your attentional network and increase your ability to attend. And so that's just you, get them, you give them a timer and they sit down and, and try and concentrate for a certain amount of time. And you start really easy, a minute or two minutes at a time, and then you slowly increase that amount of time that they've got to focus on one thing. But the really important thing is to get rid of all the distractions. And that's our biggest problem. In society at the moment, is there's too many distractions. So, we're all all of our attention is being dropping, we're actually able to attend less than we have before. And we know kids are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD now than ever, ever before. So, doing things like that, training their their attentional network, will actually improve their ability to attend, and they'll be able to you know sit in class and concentrate for longer once they get that better. But your brain is just like a muscle, and you can train it be different to the way it is now just by doing little things like that another really cool thing is a lot of places will give them fidget spinners which are actually really bad they're good at getting them to sit but they're really bad for their attention which means that they're not actually learning anything because they're distracted by the fidget spinner if you just get um, pedals for underneath the desk they can sit there and pedal and it doesn't distract them, it doesn't distract anyone else, and it actually gets them to actually just sit and actually concentrate for ages. So you can get these little pedals that they pedal underneath the desk, and it's, they're only about $15, um, and it's an amazing tool for them to use. Um, plus, they're exhausted by the end of the day. One of the big problems with with ADHDs, they have, seem to have unlimited energy, but if they're doing this all day underneath the desk at school, then they're exhausted by the time they get home, so it's win-win for everybody. Um, and it's really, easy that's so
0: interesting. Is it, is it because you're use I mean, obviously your your all of your energy is being used physically and mentally, but is it also because the pedals, um, stimulate another part of your brain?
1: Yeah. So that's more, more of the brain that's actually being stimulated so that they're not as easily distracted. Um, okay. plus it's, it's this constant rhythm. So they're in this rhythm so that they get into this. So they're not like, more as likely to get distracted again because they're in this constant rhythm. Plus, yeah, it decreases their energy levels because they do tend to have much higher energy levels than your average kid. And so therefore it decreases that as well so they don't feel as though they've got to jump up and move around as often. And so, yeah, it works in multiple different ways. Plus, because it's under the desk, it's not distracting the other kids and it's not distracting them as well. Um, Unlike the fidget spinners, which distracts everybody.
0: Is that kind of along the same lines as if somebody has sensory issues, they put a kid like in preschool and in a rocking chair, kind of the same idea?
1: Yeah, very similar to that. So okay. it, it helps with that, but it's under the desk, so it's not actually interrupted.
0: That is so interesting. Okay, I'm I'm being very selfish and asking you questions that I'm like, well, let me ask you about things that I want to know for myself, but I want to talk about Connection, and I want to talk about your book and what. So the book's going to be coming out, I believe, in August. Am I wrong on that? That's
1: right. Yep, fifteen. Okay, week or so. two weeks.
0: Okay. Yep. So, um, and it will be available via Amazon anywhere. Can you tell me some other places that it will be available?
1: I've been told by my publisher. I have to say it's available at all, at all bookshops. So wherever you buy your books, you can get the book. Um I'm okay. not allowed to target anyone because I can't. Okay. Got it. So,
0: but it'll it'll be be available in the states. Available everywhere. Okay. Okay.
1: Perfect. Yeah. It's a Um, U.S. publisher.
0: Okay. Perfect. So, tell me why, with all of your expertise and everything you know about on this planet, and and your years of studying and your impressive background, why you wrote this book, and why connection is so important. Let's start there.
1: Let's start there. Wow, that's a big one. very open-ended so, so
0: take your time
1: it is. <laughs> so it's a book i've wanted to write for a long time it's been on my mind but covid really made me realize that it was time i really had to do it because of the issues that were going on with covid um and mm-hmm. uh, but but it was prior to that we were already moving in that direction which i thought was really sad which is isolation and um, we've been become more isolated now than we ever have been in the past we're becoming less intelligent now than we So for the first time in our history, we're de-evolving. We're actually getting more, more, we're getting less intelligent than we were 10 years ago today, which is really, really scary. We also have less working memory than we've ever had before. um, And we have a a lot of degenerative diseases and developmental diseases in society now. And all of that can be linked to devices. Um, And so devices are pulling us apart, devices are, are, are... they're increasing the likelihood of you having ADHD. They're increasing the likelihood of you having autism. They're increasing the likelihood of you having Alzheimer's disease when you get older and dementia when you get older. Um, early onset, Alzheimer's is, is has increased dramatically recently. We're less productive than we've ever been. So productivity has actually calmed down in the last 15 years compared to 20 years ago. We have access to less information than we ever have in the past. So one of these big arguments is that Information, you know, the internet gives us you know, access to the world, and it actually gives us access to less information than we've ever had previously because of the algorithms that run in the background that bias information that we get. So we now find that people actually can't get information that they used to be able to get because they don't go to a library and just look something up or go to a thesaurus or whatever and look something up. They do it on the internet and Google or whatever platform they're using will bias information to what they've looked at before. So we have access to less information. So then when COVID hit and everyone was getting locked down and we we're all isolated from everyone, I, I just went, this is gonna be really bad for everybody. Um, and of course I also, because it, I, I shifted my first year t- degree at the university to online and so I was at home. So I just sat down and wrote the book and thought it was about time I had to write the book. Um, which I did in about three months, which is really good. So it was obviously in my head, I just had to finally get it out. And it's based on a lot of my research, but a lot of other amazing scientists out there, their research. I feel like valid. you're
0: bragging that you finished your book in three months and I might be, I'm joking. I'm totally kidding. I'm writing a I, book I right now and it's never going to be done. So I'm jealous <laughs> that you could do a book in three months. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you a question. So, I mean, we all know that devices are the most hideous, horrific horrific thing on the planet. Right. I mean, you, sometimes you think back to like the internet and the internet being invented. And that was in so many ways, so great. Right. But then also so bad. And, and this has become like with what's happening with AI, all the things that are going on right now, I find that I, I, I know this actually, and it scares me because I have two ch- children, one, nine, one thirteen, both girls. There's a lot of studies about what phones and the internet do to young teenage girls. So that's very scary. But for myself, I am addicted to my phone. I do everything on my phone. I, 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 I email everybody on my phone. That's why when I emailed you, I realized I made massive grammatical errors because it was from my iPhone while I was trying to fix something. Anyway, um, but there's a lot, there's just, it is, it's one of those things where I know I have a problem. I cannot put it down. I have to limit myself. I know that it's affecting my brain. But when you just brought up the fact that it's so scary that it's like increasing your chances of early onset alzheimers or dementia i mean all of that stuff makes sense cuz we're just sitting here watching our phones watching our devices watching tiktok um when we when i was in high school and college i had to go to a library and i hated it and i hated what was that the catalog the dewey decimal uh, the system dewey and all system. Oh my God. It was so awful. And I was, I was, I joke that I'm dumb, but I really didn't understand the Dewey Decimal System. I hope maybe there's other people that didn't as well, but it was so much work for us. But what I had to comment on the fact that it's true. So like if you were writing in a a paper in college on a subject, you would have to like read other things and then you learn other things and then your it opens up a whole new thing. But if you can just Google what is, um, you know, what does it mean? What is something times something a million times, you know, 423 million, whatever it is, and you get it right there or whatever your question is, it makes so much sense what you're saying that you're just, you're almost robbing your brain of its ability to be at its maximum potential and thus all of the crap that's happening right now, which is so terrifying. Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
1: Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Yeah, and it's designed that way, right? But The actual devices themselves aren't addictive. The actual devices themselves are a fan fantastic and there's some great opportunities for us to be more productive and more connected and you know, more social and all these things with these devices. But the way they're set up by technology companies means that they're addictive because they set them up to be addictive because they want eyes on screens and that's how they make their money is eyes on screens and to get you addicted. And the more addicted you are, the better off you are. And what really frustrates me is when TV first came out, um, advertisers started using subliminal uh, advertising. And subliminal advertising was where they flashed things up really quickly, so you didn't know it was there, but it would actually impact on your behaviour. And the government straight away, within about three months, said, hang on, this is really bad because this is impacting on people's behaviour and they don't know it, so we're going to stop it. And they banned it straight away. Yet the algorithms and all the stuff they're doing in the background by these tech companies to get us addicted are far worse and far more manipulative than that, and yet governments do nothing to actually stop it, and have done nothing to stop it. So we need to actually stop those things. Those algorithms that run in the background are getting us addicted, and are impacting on our mental health and our physical health, and they're impacting on the development of our kids, which is really, really bad. And it's going to be even worse later on once these kids get to older, you know, stages, and they're not able to collaborate. We know the kids today um, don't have normal facial expression perception ability because of the fact they're on devices all the time, so they're not actually learning it. So if you take, studies have shown that if you take a big group of grade six or grade seven kids um, out on a camp and, and restrict their device use, don't let them have any device use, their ability to recognise facial expressions, which is their ability to empathise with other people, increases significantly over just five days, which means their normal ability to recognise facial expressions and empathise with people is abnormal compared to where it should be. And that's really scary. And this is normal kids. These are just normal kids at school. Um, so we really need to do something about it. We need to actually change what we're actually doing. Um, and it's really easy. You just have to actually change the way you're using the phone. So turn off all the notifications. But also we need governments to say to these tech companies, you're actually causing harm in society. And so you need to stop using these algorithms. You need to turn them off. And they can. And if you turn them off, you make a big difference. Even you know, talking about, you mentioned politics before, in, in in the US, if you have a group of Democrats and you have a group of Republicans and you put them on to a social media group where there aren't any algorithms running in the background, their, their, their opinions actually get closer to each other and they'll actually start talking to each other. If you put those same people on the internet, on social media with the algorithms running in the background, they get more separated from each other and they're more likely to argue with each other. So you know, if you want to solve a lot of these social problems, get rid of the algorithms, and all you
0: got to do is turn them off. Explain how to. I feel like a moron, but how do you turn them off? I don't even know how to do that. Can you do it on your own?
1: Oh no, you can't do it. No. Oh, okay. Because I was like, is
0: there something on my phone that I can? Okay, I was confused. Hopefully, my sorry. (laughs) Hopefully, my listeners don't or maybe thought the same thing, but yeah, I mean, I was watching. I find a lot of my guests actually on TikTok. So there are like great like you said, there's so many great things. There's so much information out there that you can learn about. But then I tend to go down like the rabbit hole on stuff. And I I found my I'm very interested in politics. I don't I I it's a very scary time, but I agree with what you're saying. It's like you're being fed all this misinformation. Like if we could just kind of meet in the middle. I, I am, I know there's more to the United, my country in particular, like we must have such a bad reputation in other countries right now because it's, there's so much arguing back and forth and it's so much misinformation. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I was on TikTok and, um, And my listeners and my audience know where I stand. I was not political for a long time and I still really don't want to be. But at the end of the day, what I really care about is that people are treated with kindness and compassion and love. And it doesn't matter who you are, what color your skin is and what your sexual orientation is and who you are. I don't care. So if you understand that, you probably know where I lean. (laughs) Um, And there was a video with Kamala Harris, okay, and she was talking. She was doing some speech, and she literally looked like she was trashed. Okay, so she was drunk in the speech. All these people were commenting, like she's a horrible blah blah blah, whatever. And then I even was like, oh my god, like I can't believe that. I felt the need for a second to comment because I was in my head. If if anything, I was like, this is really sad. Then I started researching it because I was like, this can't be real. And I come to find out that it was AI. So along the lines of what you're saying and what this beast is kind of like, you know, this massive ball that's falling down the hill, it's just getting scarier and scarier. And so people don't, I mean, not everybody was going to do what I did and research it to find out that it was fake, right? You know that was the yeah,
1: mouthful. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and that's that's a big problem with it is you can't trust anything that is actually online, which is why we've got to get out and actually spend more time with each other. Because if you meet someone at a cafe, um, you can see whether or not they're a fourteen-year-old know, girl or a ninety-year-old guy from yeah New Jersey, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, but you don't know when you are online what they who they actually are because you can make up anything you want and you can be whoever you want. And now with AI generate these videos um, of people saying things that aren't uh, even true. I mean, in the past, it was all based on just photographs and people used fake photographs or old photographs or, you know, um, photographs that have been changed. But now we can do it with video as well, which, which makes it even more scary and there's no mm-hmm. way of knowing who you're actually talking to. And so we need to actually get together and actually just socialise with each other because then it's safer, right, because then you actually know who the person is. I find it funny because a lot of people are really protective of their kids and their teenagers and are like, oh, I wouldn't let them go down to the mall alone or I wouldn't let them do this alone. Or, I wouldn't, but they'll let them sit in their bedrooms on their phones alone. And that is far, far scarier and far, far more dangerous than going down to the mall because there you've got predators who are there 24-7 trying to manipulate people. You've got people extorting people and you've got people you know pretending that they're other people and you've got bullies and all the rest of it. So. Um, yeah, I think we need a real shift and realize that it's much safer in your local community than it is online.
0: Well, that's terrifying because as we speak, it's summer and my oldest is downstairs on her phone on TikTok. It's very hard to limit it. I would love your your advice or we're talking about these notifications, like how do we get involved to make changes? It just seems like such a giant task to take over you know um what are some what's some advice you can give
1: yeah so i mean i would be very uh, i'd be nervous about having a teenage girl on tiktok because we now know that you tiktok on tiktok um older males are now paying teenagers to do things on tiktok so you can, well, we, can we
0: monitor, play, we're like pretty so strict to, with it. Yeah. yeah we that, turn yeah. it off. Like we have time limits. She's has parental controls on there, but like you said, I mean, it's really hard to mon. They, she's smart. You know, they yeah, figure out ways
1: yeah. they know how to get around these things. Yeah, So yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the parenting monitoring apps are, are good and I would say everyone should have those on, but you've got to do it as a family. So I, I have a teenage daughter as well. Um, and we all have those monitoring apps on all of our devices. And then once a week, we all just chat about what we've actually been doing on the devices. So we can all talk about it. And she actually chastises me more than I chastise her. Um, which is great because then she, she tries to beat me, right? She tries to actually be on the devices less than I am, which is great because we have a little competition going as to who can actually do that. And I, you know, I'm working in my own business now. So I spend a lot of time on the, on the devices. So. It's hard for me to actually beat her, but that's good because there's a competition and she tries to yeah outperform me. So that's a good way to do it and do it as a family. Because what is the competition?
0: Is it like after like you put your phones in a bowl and eat dinner together, or like there's hours? Like what is is, what can you talk about? So the competition is
1: the number. Yeah. So the the health apps that you can put or the protection apps that you can put on there. um, Most of the phones now have them. Um, we'll tell you how many hours each week you're spending on TikTok or you're spending on yes, Facebook or you're okay, spending on okay, and all those things. And so the competition is to have the least number of hours on a device during the week um, between me and her, um, which is a great competition to have because that means we're both spending more time with people. Okay,
0: well that's both. a good idea. I'm going to try that when when it comes to um, your like connecting with people and and the book. Can you tell me a little bit more about, I mean, obviously the device thing is just, it's terrifying. And I like you said, it's going to get worse. But I think when you bring up like the long-term things that are going to come of this, maybe people will wake up a little bit. I know for myself, when you said that, I have dementia and Alzheimer's on both sides. And wow. um, that's a very scary thing that nobody wants. So what what are some ways that, putting down your devices is one, but what are some ways that you tell people that we need to do a better job of connecting?
1: Yeah, so we, we became the connected species because we're more connected than any other species in the world because we're not the fastest or the strongest or we don't have the biggest brain of all species out there. And yet we still become the alpha, right? We, we're everywhere around the world because we connect across groups. So you have bees which have amazing you know, beehives with People with all the bees doing different jobs and all the rest of it. But one beehive would never say to another beehive, hey, we have extra honey, would you like some this week and then you can give us next week. We do that and we're the only species that actually does that. But to enable us to do that, we evolved a, a significantly large brain and most of our brain is actually dedicated to socialising, which means that actually just sitting down and chatting, to socialise, to actually sit down and chat with someone, activates more of your brain than anything else you can do. So we know that your brain stays healthy and we know that your brain gets better the more you exercise it, the more you exercise your brain. So the best way to exercise your brain is actually to sit down with someone and chat with them because that activates more of your brain than anything you can do. So to be healthy, to have a healthy brain, what you've got to do is sit down and chat with someone face-to-face. But you've got to do it face-to-face because there's a lot of stuff that you miss out on when you're online. So when we chat face-to-face the first thing we do is always touch the other person, touch them appropriately. And we have, all societies have ways of actually touching, which is appropriate. So in Stoic societies like the US and here, we shake hands, whereas in Europe, they piss each other. Even the Inuits will actually rub noses because it's the only part of their body that's actually showing. And that's because we have C-fibres that have evolved on our skin, which are only there for touch, and they're not there for anything else. And those C-fibres activate when we touch each other, and they release oxytocin. And oxytocin is a, is a neurochemical in our brain that makes us more likely to connect with the other person, more trusting of the other person, and more open to actually have real conversations with the other person. So we need to actually be face-to-face to be able to do that, to touch. And that's, of course, why politicians go out and touch, you know, shake hands. I don't like that, though. That's
0: room. weird. It makes them more likely <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. But honestly, like, I, that's great news but, yeah, for me because fun. I love to chat. It's my favorite thing. I think I was like, go, yeah. like, when we went backwards and we talk about like gifts we're given in life, mine since a young age was the gift of chatter. I know that's shocking, <laughs> Dr. Mark, but it is. I love it.
1: And it's fantastic. It's it's <laughs> so important for us. And just organizing on a regular basis to actually meet up with someone that you're connected with, that you actually feel connected with, and you do you trust on a regular basis, a few times a week for you know half an hour, can increase your life by up to fifteen years, and that's all you've got to do. I mean, it's pretty easy. But we sort we know that because we you know solitary confinement in prisons is is a horrific punishment because of the fact that you're not with other people, right? We actually do it as a, in schools. We used to chuck kids out of class, or we used to make them sit in the corner facing the wall. Mm-hmm. Why do we do that? I because remember I was one isolated. Of them yeah yeah I was there always <laughs> constantly um, but it isolates you and and it's a punishment right and, mm-hmm. and actually being lonely um is really bad for not only your mental health but it's also bad for your physical health. It causes um heart disease, it causes um neurovascular diseases and so on. just being lonely being not having people around you that you actually trust and like and so us now. Being lonely, actually isolating ourselves is actually punishing ourselves and I don't really understand why we're doing that, and so we need to yeah spend more time with each other and less time by ourselves you know,
0: what what constantly. if somebody is not like you or I and they're they're um introverts and they do not like to talk to other people or chat or sit with people what is what are some things you can tell somebody to do
1: if yeah, they're so like that introversion? Yeah, introversion versus extroversion is, is uh, uh, actually nonsense. Like the whole personality mm-hmm. thing is really nonsense. We're all very different people and we have very different experiences and your brain actually changes based on your experiences. So uh, introversion is just the fact that you haven't experienced a lot of socialisation and so by experiencing socialisation, actually doing it means that your brain will actually change and you'll actually like that more and so you need to actually do it. And that's why COVID was so bad for because we turned around to people and said, you've got to isolate, you've got to be by yourself, you've got to you know, stay at home and all the rest of it. And so people did that and their brains then adapted to that. And so your brain will adapt to whatever situation you do a lot, whatever you're experiencing a lot. Your brain adapted to being isolated. And then all of a sudden we said, okay, now we don't have to isolate. So people then didn't want to come out and socialise again because their brain had got used to or changed in a way which meant that they wanted to spend more time alone rather than spending time with people. But the problem is spending time alone causes social anxiety and causes depression, and so therefore it's really bad for you. But then you you have trouble actually then socialising because of the fact that your brain has changed and it no longer wants you to actually socialise and spend time with people. But you need to do it. And, of course, in the old days, we didn't have any choice, right? You had to actually socialise with people because there was no internet. There was no uh, opportunity to do hybrid learning, all those sorts of things. So those people would have, in the old days, gone out and had to socialise because they would need to feed themselves and they'd need to work and do all these things. And so then their brains would readapt and they'd, they'd be used to it again and it would be okay. Um, but there, there, there is per, those personality Traits that people talk about are complete nonsense. They're based on huge group data, which is talking about you know what uh, bias is in how we feel. But there's no such thing as a real introvert or a real extrovert, for example.
0: I I also think story. i it it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, like putting labels like VDD, woe is me, and it's learning to live with it. You know, I just find that really fascinating. Just so we can be transparent, everybody. Um. I have actually never had this happen in all the time I've been doing this, which is since 2020, that the whole podcast crashed, right? Yesterday, Dr. Mark's with me. He's kind enough to have gotten on for a second day to finish this. It looks like we saved everything thus far. But what happened was we kind of just ended where we ended. And I really loved having this conversation with you. I call you Dr. Mark. It's weird. I should probably call you Mark or Dr. Williams, but that's what I'm going to call you because I like it. Um, And we were talking about obviously connection and why it's so important in your book. So I just really just want to close this episode with just a few questions. So is there anything that you can share about your research that you've done on this book that's the most important thing? I know that we talked a lot about connection in general and um, why it's so important, but is there anything that you think that you have left out? And I'm and I'm testing your brain right now and seeing if we're actually connecting and if you can remember how we connected yesterday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome! Um, and I love the Doctor Mark too. I might have to use that. I'll have to. Um, I like Doctor Mark. you it's whenever just... I do. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love it! Thank you. Pops my ego. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. Thank you for that one. Um, yeah, so one of the things we didn't talk about is our face perception ability, so our, 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 how we actually perceive faces, which actually impacts the way we actually interact with people. So we have a face template, which because we have to remember and know so many people because we've got such complex connections now, we have a face template, which is basically, the way it does it is it's the average of the faces that we see a lot. And so it, therefore, can detect this, the faces that we see a lot. And that evolved that way because we are originally in groups which were all of basically our family or related people, and so they are all very similar to each other. So it had to have a template which would detect those very similar faces to, to from each other um, and detect who was in your family, who's not in your family. If it deviates a long way from your face template, which is the average of all the faces you see, then it sets off a fight-or-flight response. It sets off this automatic response, which increases your heart rate, increases the amount of blood going to your muscles, um, and increases your your awareness of what's around you and gets you into a state of either fighting or flying from that individual, which means that people who have a really narrow face template are more likely to have that body bodily response whenever they see a face which is outside of what they normally see. So in places like Japan, which is, according to the U.S., U.N., um, is the most racist country in the world. Um, that's the U.N., that's not like...
0: Um, oh, my God. Are you serious? I've never heard yeah. that. Wow. And
1: Wow. Okay. Because because the faces they see are all homogeneous, right? They only see other Japanese faces, really, because mm-hmm. the, the society is very Japanese, um, and in the media, they only see Japanese faces. but if you go to a country which is more diverse where there 's lots of different races um, then the racism is less because of the fact that they don 't get this automatic fight or flight response and If you show children when they're, when they're when they're you know toddlers and growing up lots and lots and lots of different faces from lots and lots of different races, then they don 't get this automatic response mm. to different races. And you can do that also with adults. So if you show adults lots and lots and lots of different faces from lots and lots of different races, they also don't get this automatic response. So it's an automatic response that we have no control over. And it's simply based on our experience, how many faces we've seen, who we socialise with regularly. So if we socialise with a lot broader category of people, lots and lots of different people from lots and lots of different races, we're not going to have that automatic response, which is going to curb a lot of that anxiety that we have around people who aren't like us. Before actually hanging out
0: with people who aren't like us, I love this. This is amazing and makes so much sense because if you go back to like the old movies, for example, they talk a lot about this. If in America, like if you were watching movies from like the 30s and 40s, the black man is always villainized. Right, so then it teaches racism, and then it teaches generational racism. So this all makes so much sense, and it's really an interesting thing to think about. I to piggyback on that, if somebody is, and this could be just totally off topic because I tend to do that. But if somebody is really good with recognizing faces, so for me, I will never forget a face. I'm really, really good with remembering faces. I am horrific, horrific with remembering names. And I always had a long sales career and I was, I used to have to write people's names in my hand or on like on the palm of my hand before I went in. But I, I could, I can remember faces from like kindergarten. Is this, is that linked somehow or is that just totally separate?
1: There is a strong, so I did a, I did a big study with Brett Duchesne who's at, um, Dartmouth University, we did a big study many years ago um, where we looked at the genetic component of face perception because we know there's, there's these people who are super face recognizers, are amazing at face and then there's people who are really, really poor at recognising faces and so we wanted to look at whether or not there's a genetic component as well and there actually, it does seem to be I think it was about 30% of our ability to recognise faces this is actually genetic, comes from our genetic and we did that with twin study where we had a whole bunch of twins that either grew up together or didn't grow up together also, twins who were uh, um monozygotic versus dizygotic, so they were either identical or not identical, and looked at their ability to recognize faces. Um, and so, there is a big genetic. Com- there is well, not a big. There is a genetic component to it, um, but then it's probably also experience as well as you were talking about uh, yesterday.
0: <laughs> you, yes, you, you, and our you last, day day, last day? <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest. It was yesterday. We have, we um, have a
0: radio show now, <laughs> Doctor Mark and Megan. I love it. Go on. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Um, yeah, so you you so you, you're a very social person, and so you're you, you're hanging out with people a lot, and so that also would have contributed to it because we we you know our brains change, and so your brain has changed to actually really want to recognise everybody that you're you're socialising with. So it would be a mixture of those two things, and it always is really a mixture of those two things we always fight over whether it's genetics or whether or not it's learning, but it's usually both. That's
0: so interesting. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I was robbed and my audience was robbed because there's so many things that I could ask you. And I really am excited to read the book when it comes out. And I really hope that my audience learned a thing or two. I know that I now can talk to somebody that's Taught at MIT, and I actually don't feel so dumb. So that makes me kind of feel better. Um, Dr. Mark, I loved having you on today. If there's anything I left out that you want to talk about, go for it. We have, you know, we have time. Um, But I would really love for my audience to know where they can find you if they want to follow you on social media or your website. So can you give my my listeners all of that information?
1: Yeah, the best place to find me is my website, which is drmarkwilliams.com, so dr and then markwilliams.com. Um, it, it, it ha- you can sign up to my newsletter, uh, which is just a monthly free newsletter that I send out, uh, which has uh, recent research and books to read and all that sort of stuff, which is fun. Um, just to keep in touch with me on there, there's lots of links and everything else, and links to my um, Facebook page and all those things. So everything's on there, so that's probably the easiest place to go. Um, or just email me at drmark. At uh,
0: and uh, and repeat uh, the name of the book for my listeners as well, the, because I think it's so interesting. I can't wait to read it.
1: Uh, it's the connected species: how the evolution of the brain uh, can change the world. So it's a big title. Hopefully, hopefully, will no. We'll,
0: but we'll I watch. love it, and I think it's catchy. <laughs> and I do. I mean, it makes so much sense. Everything that you've said the past two days. Uh, makes so much sense. I mean, connection is key, everybody. I, that's the best thing you can do is sit down and talk to somebody. And um, I had a long discussion with my daughter this morning after talking to you yesterday about how how we need to check in more on the devices because uh, I was really kind of, I, I already knew all of that, not all of the information you shared, but just how terrifying it is for our kids and where we're heading in the future. Um, It's so important that we monitor our young girls and boys and what they're doing on social media. I also thought it was interesting how you talked about the, the component of Alzheimer's and dementia and, and early onset Alzheimer's and devices. That was something I had never, I, I mean, it all makes sense, but it's not something I had really thought about. So Um, I'm going to be having a contest with my entire family on who can beat Dr. Mark and his teenage daughter on spending the least amount of time on their devices. So it's on. Um, So thank you for all of that information that you shared in closing, everybody, I am, I am going to ask you to go follow me on judging Megan on my Instagram. That's the best way to reach me. You can also reach me on TikTok. I do ridiculous videos that I only probably think are funny because I get about 30 likes on them. Where are my listeners? Are you too embarrassed to admit that you like me and follow me? Um, but on on Instagram, most of you can are on there and f- I think follow me. I am doing a fundraiser walk with my previous guest and friend, Nadia Davis, uh, the, the walk is called shatterproof. And so it is for, to, to, leave, to eliminate addiction, uh, be open about our mental health crisis in our country. It's to raise money, uh, for all of those things, suicide prevention, which is my platform, which I'm very, very passionate about. So if you, if I could be, uh, so bold as to ask all of you to donate $5, $2. I don't even care what it is. It's a very important cause and close to my heart. So you can go to my Instagram, judging Megan and donate there. In closing, thank you again, Dr. Mark. I hope that you keep in touch with me and you forgive me for this multi-day fiasco that has happened because I know this podcast will be worth it when it comes out for my listeners. So thank you so much. Last of all, remember what I always say. This is the most important thing to me. I hope that when people hear it, they maybe consider it important to Be happy by making other people happy, and I might add, go out there and connect everyone. Right, Doctor Mark?
1: Absolutely, I <laughs> love that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Megan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Judging Megan with Megan Judge.